Thank you for tuning in to the Remodel Church Podcast. We hope this message inspires you and encourages your daily life. So I was reminded of our trip last year, our very, very first medical missions trip ever. And uh, a few things I sent. I sent my wife, Trina and Teresa, a picture of fried bananas. If you've never had fried bananas, do yourself a favor and eat some fried bananas. Yes, they're very, very good. I sent them a picture of that. And I said, I will always send you guys this picture. Um, I was reminded of our very first night there. Uh, what a night, man. What a night. It was, we went right in the rainy season, which is September. I was there during the rainy season as well. That's a whole nother story. Um, so Thursday we land, we get there fairly early. So we go ahead and go to the church and we start setting up We're at, we leave the church somewhere around nine o'clock. It's usually about a 20 minute ride from the church to our hotel, but it had been raining so much. And what you got to know about the city is that it's this huge valley surrounded by big hills or mountains, whatever you want to call them. So you can imagine all that water is running off of the mountains and into the city And so our route to go to the hotel, our main road, is covered in water. It's flooded. So it takes us about an hour because of traffic and because we're taking the long way. It takes us about an hour to finally make our way to the hotel. We get to the hotel somewhere around 11 o'clock. And uh, we are all tired. We've been traveling all day. Then we've been setting up all afternoon. We're all tired. Finally, me and Lorena, we close our eyes somewhere somewhere a little bit after midnight, and, uh, and I am sound asleep, when all of a sudden, I just feel this, like, shaking, this rocking, and I'm like, Lorena has got to get comfortable, come on, like, I'm not opening my eyes, and then Lorena starts shaking me, EJ, EJ, what is that, and I open my eyes, and everything, I, I hear, like, this cluck, 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 and everything is shaking, I'm like, that's an earthquake, and she says, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? If, if it wouldn't have been for her, I probably would have just rolled over and went right back. I'm just, I just have that philosophy. I'm that way with tornadoes as well. I'm not like freaking out. And, you know, I'm just, if it's my time, I'm going to go, but I'm going to go sleeping. You know, I'm, so if it wouldn't have been for her, I would have just rolled over. But I'm like, okay, let's get up. And, and because Trina and Teresa were with us, I thought they might be a little worried. So I get up, put a shirt on, put my shoes on, and we make our way out the door. And Trina and Teresa, I think they had been sitting there for like an hour just looking at our door. And uh, as soon as we poke our head out, uh, Teresa, I think, yells, what is that? To which my wife responds, it's a hurricane! <laughs> I'm like, what? I don't, I don't think that's right, but okay, honey. And then my, wife, my, I mean, my dad makes his way up the stairs like, let's go, let's go. So we all run outside. It's after midnight. It's chilly and it's drizzling. And we're out there with about 100 other strangers who some... Some bothered to put on their underwear. Some didn't even bother to put on that. They just had a sheet. And we're standing out there for every bit, at least 45 minutes, just in drizzling rain. Just, I don't know, just waiting for somebody to say, you guys can go inside. And, uh, and it's because of that experience 
It's because of that time there that I can relate to and I can understand somewhat what the disciples went through. You see, Jesus had been preaching to multitudes, to hundreds, maybe even thousands of people. And then Jesus tells the disciples, hey, you guys go ahead, jump in the boat, make your way over to the other end, and I'll catch up with you. And as the disciples obey Jesus, they jump in the boat, they go ahead and start making their way. Jesus uh, um, lets the people go, lets them know, hey, go ahead, we're done, go ahead and go home. And then he retreats and he spends some time in prayer, just him and God. And well, in, throughout all of this time, the disciples are, are sailing out in the middle of the sea, and then a storm arises. And as a storm arises, the Bible tells us that the waves begin to uh, beat up against the boat, and maybe the boat begins to take in a little bit of water. And well, remember, Jesus said, I'm going to head your way. I'm going to catch up with you. So Jesus does. And Jesus goes through just no boat. He's just walking on water. And then the disciples, they see Jesus out there, but they don't know that it's Jesus. And if Lorena would have been on that boat, if my wife would have been on that boat, this would have been her because one of the disciples say, it's a ghost. And Jesus calmly responds with, no, I am. It's me. It's I. And one of the disciples, Peter, he's still not 100% sure. So he says, Jesus, if it's you, call me to you. Command me to you. So Jesus says, come. And Peter does what no other man has ever been able to do. Is he gets out of the boat and he doesn't sink, but he begins to walk on water. And the Bible lets us know, the story goes, that, that as Peter walks and the further along he gets, he kind of shifts his attention, his focus from Jesus, and he be, begins to look at the waves, and he begins to look at the water and the, and the rain, and, and the Bible says he loses focus on Jesus, and he begins to sink, and he cries out, Jesus, save me! And Jesus pulls him up, he says, oh, you have little faith, why did you doubt? He pulls him up. I don't know. Maybe Jesus picked him up on his shoulder. I mean, I, I can imagine Jesus just like, like a little baby, like just picking him up, putting him on his shoulder and walking the rest of the way into the boat, puts him in the boat. Then what's amazing, then the other 11, you know what they did? Then they went to Jesus and they say, truly, you are the son of God. They've been living with Jesus. They've been walking with Jesus all of this time. But it took this moment for them to say, you really are who you say that you are. Hey, look at somebody. Look at somebody and say, get out. That's what we're talking about today. Say, get out. Tell someone. Come on. I want to hear you say, some, say this to somebody. Tell somebody, get out. Get out. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much this morning. Thank you for your presence in this place. Thank you, God, because we know that you're going to speak into our hearts and into our lives. God, help us to understand your word. Help us to receive your word. But God, more than anything, help us to live your word out. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody says, amen, amen. amen. Matthew chapter 14. Go ahead and find your Bible there. Matthew chapter 14. This story is found in verses 22 through 33. Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 through 
33. And what we'll do this morning is we'll just read our way through the scripture. And as we read our way through the scripture, we'll stop and and pause and make a a few points. So starting in verse 22, it says, Immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And and when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening came, he was alone there. Now this is the very first point that I want us to understand is that our intimacy with God determines our capacity with God. This is something that we've all got to understand, man. And, And all of you who are parents... All of you who are praying for someone, all of you who want to see the hand of God move, you've got to understand that you have got to spend time with God alone if you want to see God's hand move in your life. Our intimacy with God, our time with God, our time spent with God determines how much we're able to do with God. Does that make sense? It determines our capacity with God. And some of us, we want answered prayers or we want God to move or we want to feel God, but we're not spending any time with him. And it's sobering to understand that if Jesus being the son of God himself, Jesus being God himself, if he needed the time spent alone with just him and God, how much more do we? You guys with me? Listen, if Sunday morning once a week was not enough for Jesus, why do we think it's enough for us? If one hour and a half or one hour, whatever it may be, depending on how early you get here, for some of us, 15 minutes a week. No, I'm kidding. Anyways, for, if an hour, hour and a half a week is not enough for Jesus, why is it enough for us? How can we expect to make progress? How can we expect to see our lives changed, to see our families changed? If we're not spending that time with God, if we're not taking time to pray, if we're not taking time to read or listen to our Bibles, our intimacy with God determines our capacity with God. And very simply put, we cannot share what we do not have. You see, some of us, some of us stay silent with our families, stay silent with our wives, with our husbands, with our kids, and we don't truly try to share the gospel with them or try to share God's love with them, not because we don't want to, not because we don't love them, but because we don't spend enough time with God to be empowered by him. Does that make sense? You guys follow me? Listen, I'm not trying to give, bring a guilt trip this morning. What I am trying to do is hopefully open your eyes you see, this is, this is a beautiful thing. Jesus said, after performing a miracle, Jesus looks us at, at his disciples and he says, you guys will do all of these things. Then he says, and much more, even more. You'll do even greater things than what Jesus did, but it's not gonna come out of us naturally. It's gonna come out of our intimacy with God. It's gonna come out of our time spent with God. You want to be a better husband? Spend more time with God. 
Want to be a better wife? Spend more time with God. You want to be a better parent? Spend more time with God. You guys with me? Want to be a better employee, a better boss, a better whatever? Spend more time with God. It'll make you a better person. It'll make you better at everything that you do. We cannot share what we do not have. You guys with me? We keep reading verse 24. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It's a ghost! And they cried out for fear, but immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I. Do not be afraid. I want you to understand this. Life storms are not proof of the absence of God from your life. Life storms, when storms come and and seemingly overwhelm us, it does not mean, it is not proof that God has left us. And sometimes we... We think we're going through something difficult because God isn't with us or because God's angry or God is judging us. You guys with me? Or sometimes it's easier to sit back and say, well, you're going through that because you don't blah, 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 blah. You guys with me? But life storms are not the proof of the absence of God. They're not the proof of the absence of God from our lives because remember, who sent the disciples that way? Who was it? Why did they go that way? Jesus sent them, right? Jesus sent them. So they were being obedient to Jesus. They were following Jesus' plans and his orders. They were in the will of God himself, but yet they still found themselves in the middle of a scary storm. Just because you're going through something difficult, just because you face something difficult and scary does not mean that God has left you. It doesn't mean God is angry, doesn't mean God is judging, doesn't mean that God is punishing you. It doesn't mean any of those things. You know what it means? It means we live in a broken world. That's what it means. And as long as we live in this world, see, we'll never have a perfect life here. We never will. Sadly, sadly, proof of that is very recent as, as this famous, very famous rapper just passed away. He was like 25, is that right? Something like that. 26 years old. Overdose. Loaded millions and millions of dollars. We're never going to have a perfect life here. We're never going to have an easy, perfect life here. We're not meant to have a perfect life here. So problems don't mean that God has left us. Promise does not mean, promise or, or, or uh, storms, excuse me, do not mean that God has left us, that God is angry with us. It just means that we live in a broken world. And understand this, Jesus won't always calm the storm, but he will always be with you. Jesus won't always calm the storm, but he will always be with you. And I would rather be in the middle of a storm with God than on 
Selling smooth, selling seas without God. I'd rather be going through a difficult time knowing that God is with me, that God is on my side, than to take the easy way out without God. You guys with me? Maybe a, 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 an easy way or an easy way to visualize this is when everybody else is cheating at work. But you know that's not a route of blessing. You know that's not what God would want you to do. So you, you take the honest route. And it means that your paycheck is a little bit less than everybody else's. But at least God is on your side. You guys with me? That's what that maybe that's one of the ways that it could look like in your life. The last point that I have here is never allow fear to control your life. Never allow fear to control your decisions. Never allow fear to control the way that you live your life. We might have to face some scary and fearful situations, but we're not going to allow fear to control our lives. We're not going to allow fear to keep us inside when we're supposed to step out. We're not going to allow fear to keep us from speaking when we're supposed to say something. We're not going to allow fear to keep us from being an example whenever we're supposed to walk the right way. You guys with me? We're not going to allow fear of what others say, of what others think, of what others do to allow, or we're not going to allow it to control our lives, to manipulate our lives, to direct our lives will do what is right before God, no matter, no matter what. We'll step out when God is calling us out. We're not going to be controlled or manipulated by fear. Verses 28 and 29. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. I love this about Peter. I love this about Peter. Peter, or, or, or somebody's yelling out, ghost, ghost, ghost. And Jesus says, I'm not a ghost. It's me. It's I. I am. And Peter says, if it is you. Now, maybe this, maybe this is how some of our, our prayers sound. Jesus, if it is you, then line everything up for me perfectly. Jesus, if it is you, then why don't you go ahead and give me the raise and give me less hours and give me the benefits and give me the, and give me the, and, and give me, and, and give me, and then, and, and give me, and then give me, and then give me. I love about Peter is he doesn't say, hey, Jesus, if it's you, then, huh, hey, calm this storm. Hey, Jesus, if it really is you, then just make it all easy. Make it all go away. Hey, Jesus, if it is you, then heal me. Hey, Jesus, if it is you, then give me the promotion. Hey, Jesus, if it is you, then answer all of my prayers. He just says, Jesus, if it's you, then call me out onto the waves. Call me out into the middle of the storm. Call me out of my security. Call me out of my comfort. If it is you, Jesus, just keep my steps. Keep my feet. Keep me above water. Just keep me from drowning. What if we stop praying for Jesus to calm every storm in our lives and we just said, Jesus, just keep me from drowning. Just keep me above water. Just 
Keep my steps. Hold my steps. You see, greatness will never be found inside of comfort. That was one of the very first or up to that point in Peter's life, that is the greatest thing that he had ever experienced. The greatest moment. Nobody else ever before, after has done what Peter did. Greatness is never found inside of comfort. You see, I believe, I believe that God is calling some of you to do something great, to do something special, but you won't leave your comfort. God is calling you to maybe speak to somebody or maybe to start serving or maybe to start doing or maybe to just be an example at work, but you're so afraid to leave your comfort that you're going to end up missing the best ride of your life. The greatness that God has inside of you, the greatness that God has called you to will not be found inside of comfort. It will not be found on the easy chair, laid back, tilted back with the iced tea in your hand. It will not be found there. Greatness is never, ever found inside of comfort. This is what I have found. This is what I have discovered. Is you can make excuses or you can make a difference, but you cannot do both. You can either make excuses and we all have excuses. Anyone can make excuses. You can either make excuses or you can make a difference, but you cannot do both. We all have excuses. Oh, it's too far. Oh, it's too much. Oh, it's too hard. And I just don't have enough. Oh, I don't know enough. I don't know the people. And I'm not, I don't have that influence. I don't have, we can, we can have a thousand excuses. Listen to me, church. You can either, you can have your excuses. You can have them and you can say them and, and, you know, and, and, and I'll give you a little pity tap on the shoulder and I'll say, well, okay. And God will too, but you'll never make a difference. If we want to be difference makers, if we want to make a difference in our world, in our community, in our home, in our schools, we don't make excuses. You guys with me? Listen, man, we are a small town church and we're getting to do some pretty cool big things. And we're a small town church. Granis, Mexico, Jeffrey said. <laughs> but it's not a crutch. You'll, you'll never hear me say we can't make a difference because we're in Granis. Because we're in Polk County. Because we're, we're in a little town. You'll, I'll never say that. If for whatever reason you ever hear me say that, you have my full permission to slap me across the face and say, EJ, you remember? No excuses. I just don't believe that way. I believe that we have resources around us. Man, I'm telling you, listen, Friday morning as we made our way to that town in the middle of nowhere, I'm going to be honest, 
Once we hit about hour number three, I was kind of regretting that I went. Um, but once we finally got there and everything was safe and everything's good, and they take me up to this house that, that uh, some people there from the church um, opened up for us to stay in. They're so proud of this house because they just got done building it three months ago. They just moved in three months ago. And you know what? It's this tiny house, maybe, maybe about the size of this whole stage right here. And no, they've got electricity, but there's no running water. There's absolutely no running water. You know what they use as water? They've got three 55-gallon drums outside. Once a day, water is turned on to the whole city, and that's whenever everybody fills up their 55-gallon drums. And it's not even... It's not even clean water, guys. I mean, you can't, you can't see two foot into that 55-gallon drum. And so every morning or in every afternoon, every time I needed to, or I took three showers, I think, when I, while I was there just because it was so stinking hot. And so I go and I fill up my bucket. I make my way into this little bitty tiny bathroom with the toilet right there. And if you've got a flush, you know, you dump water in it. Down goes your stuff. And then here I am right next to the toilet. Just on concrete, no drain, and mm, with the bowl, getting wet and lathering up and all that good stuff, and cold, man, I'm telling you, cold, especially in the morning when that water's been sitting out all night. Listen, guys, we are so blessed. We are so blessed. We've got so much more than what most of the world has. We are able to do and give way more. Man, whenever I gave that pastor that $100, it was like, honestly, it was, that's what it takes him. Because I asked him, I asked him before, long before this, I said, what does it take you to live? I'm not talking about going out and all, but what does it take you to live? And it takes him, he's, he told me about 1,200 pesos. That's about, that's, that's give or take 60 to $70 a week. And we're not talking about just him and his wife. It's him and three, he, he and his wife and three kids. Now we know none of us can live off of $70 a week. Right? Not if you have, especially not if you have kids. Not if you want to eat every day. So when I handed him that money, I'm telling you, his whole world lit up. Guys, we're so blessed. We're not going to make excuses. That's not going to be the church that we're going to be. That's not going to be the people that we're, we're going to be. That's not going to be the pastor that I'm going to be. We will make a difference. You guys with me? We will never experience the best of God inside of security. We'll never experience the best of God inside of security. And let's take risk. Believing God will keep our steps. Let's take risk. Believing that God's not going to let us drown. That's what Peter said. He said, Jesus, if this is you, then let me just step out of this boat and you just keep me from drowning. 
I pray that as a church, that's what we would do. Instead of waiting for everything to be lined up perfectly for us, that we would just say, Jesus, if it's you, then I'm going to go ahead and take a step out of this boat, and I'm going to go ahead and step out into the water. And if it's you, I know you're going to keep my steps up. You're going to keep me floating. And if it's not you, well, I'll swim back to the boat. You guys with me? What if we took a few more risks as a church? I'm talking, I'm talking about as a church. What if we gave just a little bit more? What if we did a little bit more? What if we served a little bit more? And, and I know we're all busy and we've got way too much stuff to do throughout the week. And, and we're all so tight and our budgets are so tight. And I, I understand all of this. But what if we said, Jesus, if it's you, just keep me from drowning. You guys with me? You see, that's why some of us don't tithe because we feel like we're going to drown if we tithe. So what if you said, Jesus, if you really commanded us to, if this is really you, then just keep me from drowning. What if you just, what if you took that that way? And hey, and if you start drowning and if you start sinking, then swim back to the boat. That's okay. Swim back to the boat. You'll be okay. You guys with me? But let's take a few risks. Let's believe God is going to hold us up. Let's believe as God is calling us out, God is going to sustain us. God is going to keep us from drowning. You guys with me? So let's be risk takers. Verses 30 through 33. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, now listen to this. I have heard this sermon preached thousands of times. I grew up in church. I've heard this sermon preached. And every single time I've heard somebody preach this sermon, here they give Jesus like a demeaning voice. Like, oh, you have little faith. Like they make Jesus sound like he's mad at Peter. I don't believe that at all. I believe his tone was more like this. Oh, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? Just, why did you doubt? You're already walking. You're already there. Why did you doubt? I don't think Jesus is mad at him. I don't think Jesus is saying, man, you have just a little bit of faith. You needed more faith. I don't believe that's what Jesus is saying. I think he's just asking, why did you doubt? And when they got to the boat, the wind ceased we give power listen to this we give power to whatever we focus on you see as as long as peter was focusing on jesus as long as peter had his eyes and his gaze on jesus and his faith in jesus and who jesus was and and jesus calling him out of the boat and jesus sustaining his feet as long as peter had his gaze on jesus then that's where the power was. That's where his focus was. And, and his feet were just, just floating seemingly on water. He was just fine. But it was whenever he started focusing on everything else. That's whenever he began to sink. That's whenever he gave power. He took the power away from Jesus and he gave it to all of his problems. So... Here's a very churchy saying, but I'm going to say it anyways. How about we tell our problems how big our God is and not our God how big our problems are? You guys with me? 
Don't tell God, oh, this problem's so big, this problem's so huge, and this problem over here, and this problem, it's just too much. God, it's just too much. Instead of talking about how big all of our problems are, how big the storm is, how big the waves are, and how much water is coming up against us, and how much the wind is blowing, instead of telling our God how much all of that is, what if we told them how big our God is? We give power to whatever we focus on. Listen, some of us have anxiety attacks because we're so focused on our problems. Some of us are losing sleep at night because we're so focused on our problems. God is so much bigger. I love the prayer that, that, that Josh says every Sunday. Is he, says, he says, God is bigger than the mountain that we're facing. God is bigger than the problems that we're facing. You guys with me? Now, I know this may sound a little bit churchy, but it's so true. It's so true. God is bigger. God is greater. There's no problem that you could ever face that God would kind of sit back and say, hmm, I don't, I don't know. I just don't know. Hmm. Never seen that one before. You guys with me? That doesn't happen. God's greater. God is bigger. Let's not focus on our problems. Let's focus on God. Because listen to this. Because we don't have blind faith. We don't have blind faith. Now, I know the scripture says we walk by faith and not by sight. That doesn't mean that we're blind. Doesn't mean we've got our eyes closed, just kind of walking around. We don't have blind faith. We have proven faith. You guys with me? We don't have blind faith. We're not trusting in, in some God that we don't even know if he exists. We don't even know if he can do anything. We don't even know if he's strong. We don't even know if he's big. But we're just going to believe in some dude up in the sky. We have proven faith. We have proven faith from what we've seen and heard and read in the Bible. We have proven faith from what we have experienced in our own lives. And we have proven faith because of what we've heard from our friends and from our relatives. Listen, guys, here's a little plug, but this is why small groups is so important because sometimes it's so good to just hear from somebody else, maybe what they're going through and what God has shown them or what God has done for them. You guys with me? That way we can kind of focus our, refocus our attention back on God because we don't have blind faith. We have proven faith now everybody here again i've heard this sermon preached a thousand times and and everybody talks about how you've got to have more faith because jesus looks at peter and he says oh you have little faith and everybody uh, all the pastors like to get so like they they beat poor peter up man they make him seem like like some poor idiot man they make him look like an idiot is what they do But this is the way I see it. If Peter had enough faith to get out of the boat, but Jesus said you have little faith, then how much faith did the 11 sitting inside of the boat, how much did they have? 
The biggest failure here was not that Peter sunk a little bit. The biggest failure were the 11 who played it safe in the boat. Listen, I would rather fail with a little bit of faith. I'd rather step out and and do something risky, step out and do something that I believe God is calling me to do. I'd I'd rather step out and fail and and be called ye of little faith than to play it safe in the boat and miss my destiny, miss my purpose, miss what God has called me to do. You guys with me? Listen, guys, let's not play it safe. Let's not wait for all of the pieces to come together. Let's not wait for everything to be set up perfectly and beautifully for us to finally step out. Man, that's not faith. That's not faith. But let's be bold and let's take a few risks and let's be obedient, believing God is calling us to this. You guys with me? Listen, that's a church that I want to be and that's a church that I want you to be. That's who I want to see. This is the end of the message. For more information, go to www.thermodelchurch.com.